Okay, and we're recording. Welcome to episode five of the 12 Pound Podcast. I'm your co-host, Robert, and I'm here with my mom, Bobby. I want to remind everyone this is a podcast about life's changes and how we hope to help you face them. Hey, mom. Hi, Robert. How are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing well. How do you feel about five? Five, wow. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? It's like time just keeps on. Oh, I won't sing it. Keeps I, on ticking. Tick, yeah, I know. I, I was going there. I'm sorry. But yeah, five. It's great. We're just moving right along. And still, we haven't killed each other. Yes. Right? No, we haven't. Right? We're, we're, we're doing good? No, we're doing great. <laughs> I think we are off to a fantastic start. Things feel like they're humming. Yeah, they're humming. Good. So it's all good. It's all good. It is. All, but you know what? It's not all good everywhere. I am, as I told you last week, I'm addicted to the NewYorkPost.com. Yeah. And the New York Post had some troubling news this morning. Apparently, Hershey in Pennsylvania, the candy company, warned that it will not be able to meet demand for Halloween candy. Get out. They begin stockpiling in April. So if you wanted to know how old your candy is before you eat it in October. Is it dated? I don't know. But because the seasonal and the all-around candy products are made with the same manufacturing equipment and the demand for chocolate has been so high over the last year and a half stress because of stress of eating course, my, that, that's me uh-huh exactly apparently you are eating a lot of crackles toilet paper paper towels i don't stockpile too much but it's not going to affect my health if i go out and stockpile candy that doesn't mean I'm going to just keep it. I'm going to eat it. I have no control. I don't keep it here. So stockpiling candy is it, not good. I agree. Robert. But this you know, what good. is it? Who does it really impact? Me. No. <laughs> Parents. Oh. Parents of young children who are going to have to explain to their kids why there is a shortage of chocolate. It's one thing with toilet and paper. And like they're going to believe you. Like they're going to believe you. But the company said they had to make sacrifices, so they're going to sacrifice now, parents on I Halloween. I have to ask, is this just Hershey? It's apparently just Hershey. Well, I guess that's good. So the Choco Taco, this is all in one week. This has been a horrendous week for my gourmet? childhood. Yeah, for gourmets like yeah. myself. <laughs> and it's funny, something's going on in Pennsylvania because the Choco Taco invented in Philadelphia in 1983. Hershey, Hershey, Pennsylvania. Oh. Oh, yeah. Apparently, I didn't, make, Pens- I didn't make that connection. Uh, yeah, there's something going on in this area. That's why I've got you here, Robert, to make these connections. That's why they paid me the big bucks. The big bucks, right. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get started, we want to thank our sponsor, Maury's Piers. Maury's Piers, located on the boardwalk in Wildwood, New Jersey, is a classic seaside amusement park, family owned and operated since the late 60s. If you haven't been to Maury's Piers, get up there. It has been a wonderful summer. The weather has been beautiful, the rides are in full swing. And they are located at Surfside Pier featuring the Ocean Oasis Water Park and Beach Club at 25th Avenue, Mariner's Landing Pier featuring Raging Waters Water Park at Scallinger Avenue, and Adventure Pier at Spencer Avenue. We hope to see you up there soon. And there is candy up there. So There's a candy uh, wheel. There's a candy wheel. You could go up to one of the games, put 50 cents on a number or a symbol, and if it comes up on the wheel... When the wheel stops, you can win some candy. Yep. So if, if things really go to hell, you're gonna have to go up and play the wheel. You're gonna have to go to the candy. <laughs> you have to gamble. It's a good. It's a. It's a good option for everybody. There should be a toilet paper wheel. <laughs> paper towel wheel. Paper towel wheel. <laughs> Parents would be lined up. Well, they would have been. 
<laughs> no, as I was saying, it really affects parents. And it's funny, we had, um, we're going to be talking about boundaries this, uh, this episode. We alluded to that last week and we asked our listeners, as we always do, to send in any questions or stories that you have. And one of the questions that came in was uh, regarding boundaries and how do I set boundaries? And specifically, how do I set boundaries with my kids? Uh, I think actually this particular reader referred to their toddler. So as we think about boundaries, you know, obviously there might have to be some difficult conversations with children now around the Halloween marker. But yeah, as we uh, put together this episode, we're going to go looking for boundaries for our listeners. We're going to be the boundary hunters. And let me tell you, you're the dog, mom. You're the big dog. The boundary hunter. The boundary hunter, yeah. You're the one who kicks down the door. So I was thinking a lot about boundaries as it relates to toddlers because I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. So I have a a freshly minted toddler and I have a young daughter who's just out of the toddler years. And I remember soliciting a lot of advice about how to set boundaries with the girls. I didn't know what to do. So I was reading articles. I was asking for help. And one of the things that most people said is that whatever you do make sure you set and enforce consequences. So I did that. I, I said, okay, well, um, next time my daughter, who was a toddler at the time, does something, I'm going to make sure that I set and enforce those consequences. So I'm going to count to three. That was the first time I'd ever done this. So my daughter is acting out and you know doing something very toddlerish, and I go up to her and I say, okay, you have till the count of three, and then that's it. And I said, one, she's still doing it. Two, she's still doing it. Okay, three. She looks at me and she goes, now what? <laughs> Four. I said, I said, I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't expect to get the three. So clearly I did not set those consequences, nor was I prepared to enforce them. <laughs> Toddlers and boundaries. Interesting subject. It's been a long time since I've had a toddler, but it's fascinating how they can set boundaries. You were trying to set boundaries and it, it not, at least in that example, none too successful because kids are smart. Oh, they're my masters. youngest yeah, they're knows masters. exactly how to set a boundary. Oh, the, her boundary, from what I hear, being her grandmother, is a two-year-old's boundary. They have no problem with this word. No. Yeah. No. It's one of the first words I think that's very clear that comes out of their mouth is no. And no is a no is a boundary. She says no to everything. No. Yeah, they say no to everything. Or, you know, um, a boundary as to material possessions. How about this one? One word. Mine. Yeah. It's like yeah, no and mine. short and sweet, short and sweet boundary. I wish we could just carry those through our entire lives into work, into our relationships, into everything, into our families. Just, no and mine. <laughs> Right. And somewhere along the line, as our language grows, as our language grows, our boundaries weaken. They do. That's one of the the big uh, mantras of boundary setting with toddlers is that you have to be specific and clear so that your toddler understands them clearly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your sister-in-law, my aunt, worked with toddlers for a long time. You just speak to them plainly, simply, and clearly, Mm -hmm. just like you would your dog. (laughs) But yeah, I, uh, you have to you have to be clear. You have to give those clear instructions. You've got to stay consistent. All of the things right. that, as we talk more about boundaries and establishing brown boundaries anywhere in your life, it tends to go back to the fundamentals of raising children. How do you establish boundaries with your kids? And it's probably the same process as it is establishing boundaries exactly. with your boss or your straightforward boyfriend or girlfriend. Be clear. Um, so the the boundaries change. They get more complicated the older that you get. Child usually, unless you're completely violating child labor laws, doesn't have a boss at two. 
You're in trouble. No. Well, they're the boss. <laughs> right, they're the boss. So there's the boss. There's the relationship. There's your neighbor. Material boundaries. You borrowed my lawnmower. You keep borrowing my lawnmower, and you keep bringing it back without gasoline in it. Yeah, it's that consistency. It is consistency. It's... I think that's one thing that's absolutely with your your toddler or your boss. It's it it's being consistent. I, I think a lot of times we're so inconsistent. We'll get surprised by that time that someone asks for something that we're not comfortable with because, you know, we may have done it three times before, but that fourth time was just too much for mm-hmm, us. Mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting. We were talking about social boundaries, texting, social media. Oh, that feeling of just constantly being accessible is really challenging. And it it's is. everywhere. It's not just with your job. It's also just with your friends or your family. How do you tell your family to remove you from a, a group text chat? You know, <laughs> that won't stop. It won't stop. <laughs> ding, ding, There's ding. a real boundary. Yeah, just say, take yourself off the group text. So, what's the kind of language anyone could be using to talk to your boss, or maybe you're early on in a relationship, you're trying to set a boundary? Help. Well, I think it's just honest language, kind language, and it's a conversation that you can have. Lots of conversations that we have in life are uncomfortable. Get used to being uncomfortable. Take a chance on the uncomfortability because it gets easier. And nine times out of 10, the person will understand. How do we practice being uncomfortable? How do we practice? People practice, let's put it this way. People practice being comfortable all the time, right? That's what mindfulness is. Breathing, yoga. I like it. But how do we practice being uncomfortable? I, I guess people, I'm sure as people are hearing this, they're probably thinking, well, that's what training is. If you're training for a marathon or if you are uh, weightlifting, you know, you've got to put your body through something more. But how do you put your mind, your thoughts through discomfort so you can prepare for a more uncomfortable conversation? Well, I guess, you know, it's interesting. That's a really interesting. Uh, can you imagine? Um starting uh you know um discomfort camp discomfort camp <laughs> where'd you send your kid well Dis- oh, my toddler discomfort, discomfort camp, camp. <laughs> what do you learn how to be uncomfortable i mean she just lives in what does un- that mean you don't she lives in yeah what is that she lives in discomfort now and she's okay with it she tells me about it all the time what you do is when there are uncomfortable situations and you know things, most people know themselves well enough to know what makes them uncomfortable. Some people are uncomfortable in social settings. Some people are uncomfortable with large groups, but they have to be there. Some people are uncomfortable with a meeting they don't. So you're, if you're uncomfortable in a large group, try to put yourself in that situation. Put yourself there. How about that individual setting when you have to talk to someone? You have to set a boundary with someone. It's at work, right? So Somebody keeps emailing you at nine o'clock at night to to do something that they could have asked you maybe earlier in the day, but they didn't. And now you're faced with it yet again. And you know what is making you uncomfortable, what boundary you think is being crossed. And you also know probably the reason you don't want to have the conversation is you don't want to cause hard feelings. You know, you don't want somebody, who knows what, you don't want somebody not to like you. You don't want to make your workplace more difficult. There's all kinds of reasons we don't have these conversations, but there are ways to, to have them. Sometimes you can diffuse things with humor. Set a boundary with humor. You know, an example, I worked um, in a company. I had, at the time, my own office. And a lot of times people at work would come in. They're having something's happened with another coworker, And that was a boundary for me. That wasn't my, my, my dance. You know, it's not a work dance. It's not a meeting. It's not coming in to just complain personally to me. So right away, you don't wait till you've listened to 27 stories and 27 people have come in. And now all of a sudden, 
it's not my thing. Well, why not? It's been your thing for six months, right? So I set a boundary and the boundary that I set was telling people and it, and it went spread through the company that consider me Switzerland. I'm Switzerland. You know, it doesn't, I don't, it doesn't come in here. And, and I actually had a plaque that stuck on the door, my door that said Switzerland. So it was funny. People would say, oh, don't go in there. She's Switzerland, <laughs> right? Meaning she doesn't want to talk about that. And they get the message. That was a way to set a boundary. And lots of times that's an easy way to do that. If you do, you know, you can sort of diffuse things with humor. But I think honesty is always the best policy because if you're not honest about the boundary, and you keep pretending that it's okay, that what tends to happen is you're not being you. You're not being authentic. So the person doesn't really know you. If you think about it that way, I'm not being my authentic self. I'm not telling you how I really feel. I'm starting to get annoyed and angered inside. And I'm also depriving this person from knowing who I am, authentically, who I am. You should let people know who you are. And sometimes that can get tricky at work because you're always fearful of the job but in personal relationships you want people to know who you are and if they don't I think it, I think it can get a little tricky there too if you're dating somebody early on and you like them mm -hmm. you want them to still like you right so I think what people can fall into as you're saying is that you're not being dishonest with them but you are not giving them the full picture. Yeah, I think it's like you're in the beginning of a relationship. You're trying, you know, to to put your best foot forward. For sure. But really, as you're saying it, which I would agree, a hundred percent agree with, it's it's really it's putting your real foot forward. Take your shoe off. Show yeah. them your feet. Because it's gonna eventually, you're gonna have to. You're take gonna your have shoes to take off. your shoes off sometimes. You know, eventually, you're gonna if, have to let your yeah, feet show. Exactly. And if your feet are tan, you know you're a beach person. You know, if your feet are pale, it might be because you're in golf shoes all right, weekend. Right, right. But yeah, take your shoes off. And I will say that's one thing that I love about this area is that we all take our shoes off. You do need shoes to ride the rides on Maury's Piers. You do. But luckily, they have some wonderful water parks in the back of the piers as well. So if you want to find those water parks and take your shoes off, if you haven't been to Maury's Piers, uh, the water parks are wonderful. Uh, Surfside Pier featuring the, the Ocean Oasis Water Park. The Mariner's Landing Pier featuring Raging Waters Water Park. Uh, the water parks are wonderful. Take those shoes off and jump in the water. Rob, that was a very smooth segue from the shoes, no shoes, to our wonderful sponsor, Maurice. You know, I was thinking about this. <laughs> podcast world. It's so funny because I, you know, I worked in finance for a long time. And what I've been doing in finance is basically getting three years of content into a 30 minute meeting. So, it, you know, a lot of people say, you know, people like to talk about bullshit and the importance of bullshit. I don't think that's what's important. But no, it's being able to succinctly telling somebody what is going on in a way that doesn't lose their attention. And attention is so important these days. And I think that's one of the reasons that boundaries are so difficult, you know, because it got a lot of things going on and you're like, it's okay. I, I know he wants me to do this assignment at nine o'clock at night, but I'm just going to do it quickly because I want to get out. You just want to move past it. But mm -hmm. when it starts accumulating, all of a sudden it becomes a problem. And because you didn't address it in the beginning, like you said, and then you never consistently said anything and you didn't put yourself into that discomfort, that uncomfortable position, all of a sudden you feel like you're getting taken advantage of. Exactly. And the person on the other end most likely is not a psychic or a mind reader and didn't know this was a boundary of yours. Sometimes. Sometimes it's just actual, you know, getting into people to borrow things from you and bring them back broken or never bring them back at all mm -hmm. that can be a little bit of a different issue that's kind of um rude i mean that's just
just like, I can't get behind that. Another example would be that I heard recently as I was uh, telling a family member about this episode is that they're a teacher. Sometimes teachers will borrow other teachers' supplies without telling them. It's a pattern with this colleague of hers, and they've told him four times now, and now it's the fifth time. How is that final boundary set? Well, I think it, there are certain people that... Because I think that's what people yeah, worry about. That's the worry, the what if. Well, the borrower's I... not worried. The borrower that's coming in and mooching your stuff all the time and not replacing it, obviously he's not worried. So you're sort of afraid of offending someone who has no problem crossing your boundaries. So here we are going, why would I don't want to offend him? Well, there's a point where you might have to get a little more forceful rather than the, would you do me a favor if you borrowed? I needed that case of pencils that you took. You know, I kind of needed my chair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so there comes a point where you can be a little firmer and say, you know, do me a favor. Stop taking my stuff. Yeah. And in my experience, when I've, when I've had that conversation and it did get to that, where the person wasn't happy or was upset, usually stepping away from it, giving it time, giving it some distance. Most of the time, at least again, in my experience, it's healed on its yes, own. Yes, most of the time. There are times when it doesn't, but most of the time it does. And uh, and it happens. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately, you know, we talked about last week, the worries, the what ifs. I think that's the big what if that's over boundaries and boundary issues Yeah, is what if this person doesn't take this conversation well? What if they go and complain about me? What if they use this against me at work or, yeah. you know, yeah. wherever? Yeah. And I think it's, uh, that was the advice that we gave last week is that you just have to do you. It sounds simple, but it's kind of what you have to do. Yeah, you do. And what, what I was just talking about, if you're not doing you, then you're not being authentic. So as you're assuming you know someone or you're assuming that you understand their lives, a lot of times you don't. So you have to ask them questions. You have to be able to talk about it. But talking about those things can be difficult for people. You know, having those conversations as you are introducing new information into your family or into a relationship or into your job, maybe something that somebody wasn't aware of before. They can be difficult or they can be a little scary. And as we think about the next episode. Yeah. So we think about the next episode. What we're going to be talking about is the title of the episode is Buy Now, Gay Later. And what it's going to center around is when people seem to define you. That because you possibly with a certain person that you're given a certain label, a certain name, a certain, they've defined you. They didn't ask anything about you. They didn't ask anything about, you know, what, how you define yourself. I would hope that your definition of yourself is better than somebody else's definition of you. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, you know, a lot of times people live their lives differently than other people. And people have a lot of trouble with differences. They have a lot of trouble if it doesn't fit into their narrative, into their, what they've seen, what they've been exposed to, what they know. We were just talking about uncomfortable. That's uncomfortable for them. Well, it's not about them. Right? And, and maybe scary for the other side. So it's almost yeah, like approaching exactly. that boundary. So the other side is why are you you know giving me a label I'm telling you how who I am and you don't believe me oh you know it's so it's that kind of thing and it's uh, I think it'll be interesting 
I think it sounds great. Well, this has been a great fifth episode. Certainly hunted some boundaries down. We did. We did. Well, to all those parents who are worried about Halloween, please join me this weekend. I'll be at the Walmart bulk (laughs) shopping for Hershey's Kisses. Either way, we wish you all the best for the coming Halloween. Please check us out again on the boardwalk. Uh, Our on the board segments uh, can be found on YouTube. Uh, If you like what you hear on this podcast, please tune in to any of your favorite podcast platforms like us share us follow us and uh, we're very happy you're here and along for this ride we can't wait till next week's episode it sounds like a great topic and once again mom it is wonderful to speak with you thanks mom bye rob lucy of the margate sands made of dreams and no tin cans she's no diamond fellas but she shines the same Skin just like an Ollie book There's no getting through to her She loves everyone Don't matter whence they came And if she were but not so grand And I could set her in a ring I would put her on your finger And when I took your hand I'd sing la de da de da I'd sing la de da de da Well, it ain't much, I know But we can take her with us anyway